This is Stay Paid, the marketing podcast that gives listeners a competitive edge to stay motivated, find inspiration, and discover proven real-world tactics from some of the best marketers across the nation. This podcast is brought to you by Reminder Media, the company that keeps the lights on in our studio, including our Take Action sign behind us. Luke and I have worked together over the last 20 years to help small business owners stay top of mind with a mission to help them generate more repeat and referral business. We help business owners with everything from lead generation, print marketing, social media content, geographic farming, and more. We've had the opportunity to help over 100,000 entrepreneurs over the last 20 years. It's really been amazing. If you'd like to see how we can help you and your business, be sure to check out ReminderMedia.com slash StayPaidMarketing. That's ReminderMedia.com slash StayPaidMarketing. Take action on that today. Welcome to another Silver Dollar episode of Stay Paid. My name is Joshua Stike. And I'm Luke Akery. And Luke, the greatest closers and sales tend to have certain qualities in common. So you actually asked ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. So we, we, it we, gave me a ton of stuff we on talked about being a great closer. How to use ChatGPT on an earlier podcast. And so you're using it for So guys, you really research. don't even have to listen to our show anymore. Just go to ChatGPT. It's, like, it's actually pretty it's good. So Not on good. everything, but it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. So uh, we asked him what are the six things, or I guess you said it gave him more, but we picked the six things that the greatest closers have in common. Uh, so we have this list. We're going to go through each one of them and discuss what we think about them. So. Yeah. And yeah. give you guys a little context. Like we have a bunch of salespeople. So between our upselling team and our hunting team, we probably have about 130, 140 yeah. people so you've on seen, the phones. Well, and, and beyond that, I mean, you've we've had well over a thousand. Well, yeah, easy. Over the, people yeah, come through the yeah, organization over the, over the last 20 years. Yeah, yeah, easily. And then we've also had outside sales. So we had 1.100 outside sales. And for real estate agents, they were 1099 for me. Yeah. So managing 1099 salespeople, which everybody in real estate knows you're 1099, you're not an employee. So mm-hmm. you, it's got to be treated a little differently. We've had that experience, but this, the reason why I picked these six that ChatGPT was spinning out is because, you know, I connect with them. Like it, it makes a lot of sense to me from my experience and the thousands of people we've interviewed and hired and all that stuff. Probably tens of thousands. Uh, interviews yeah, yeah for sure for sure all right so number one <clears throat> should be a pretty obvious one yeah. confidence a great closer excludes confidence in their product or service and their ability to deliver it they know the value of what they're offering and are not afraid to ask yeah. for the sale which is turns out the most important part of sales is getting the sale yeah getting the sale like yeah. i always tell people the sale doesn't begin until <laughs> you ask for the order right you're just presenting everything up to that point is marketing yeah you're j- exactly <laughs> until you ask for the order until you ask for an exchange of value where that person actually has to give up up something you haven't really asked for a sale because anybody's willing to listen right they're going to nod and smile but mm-hmm. when you ask them to actually pay you that's when the sale actually begins because the objections come out and they they have to actually think was i convinced from the value proposition standpoint one of the the number one traits we see in our top closers is they're insanely confident so much so that like in interviews like i look for it's a it's borderline between arrogance and confidence, but I want the person who thinks they're Michael Jordan. I don't want the person on my basketball team who does not believe they're the best in the world. Do you learn that? Can you train? Like, how can you gain confidence or is it something that you have to be born with is it a, is it a combination of both? I think some people are born with uh, confidence but I don't I think it can easily be trained in fact the people who are born with it probably fail because they don't try enough mm-hmm. but confidence comes through preparation is my belief yeah. um, so the more pre- prepared you are right I used to be a musician I mean I still play but I used to play out mm-hmm. and do shows and I play piano and guitar the more I practice the piano yeah 
the more I'm confident when I get on stage and I play that song. The yeah. less I prepare and practice, whether it's public speaking, playing piano, doing a sales presentation, whatever it is, if I have no preparation, I have no confidence, right? And you can understand this by the greats because they put tens of thousands of hours into their craft. So when the opportunity comes, they're confident in it. Kobe Bryant's famous quote, they asked him, hey, what does it feel like to take the buzzer beater shot in the championship game? And he goes, just like every other every time other I take shot. that shot. Yeah. It's like I take that shot. How does that apply to sales? Time? Like, uh, is, it, is it role playing? Is it just yeah. literally making the phone calls and putting in the hours? Like, I think it's um, it's a mixture, right? Frequency creates greatness. So confidence can come from your actual practicing on the phone. But it is role playing. It's do, do you have the talk tracks, as we call mm -hmm. them, for every angle that someone goes down? If someone's going to say to you they need to talk to their partner, what is your route? What's yeah. your talk track that you go down? Yep. And do you have that memorized, not only memorized, memorized, internalized, and personalized to where you really understand what you're doing and why you're doing it because your words are powerful. Words mm -hmm. mean something. So if you're prepared to answer the questions, you're going to have success because people want to buy from people they look up to, people they feel secure with. They don't want to buy from someone that, that, I mean, imagine, just for example, imagine you get on an airplane and the pilot's not confident. <laughs> I don't know, guys. It's going to be a tough one out we'll there. We'll see. It would make you nervous right oh, you yeah. want to fly with a pilot that's very confident that ha that's prepared the same applies when you do your listening presentation mm -hmm. when you go and present in sales they want to buy from somebody who understands their product and services that comes from role playing grant cardone says um you should role play every single day if it's worth doing one day it's worth doing every day mm. right so you should be role playing every single day and if you think about it most salespeople only practice when they're on the field they never practice outside the field mm. if athletes only practice when they showed up to the arena yeah. How good would huge. they be? They wouldn't even be on the team. We're going to get to some of those uh, uh, objections in point number four also. But some of the benefits of confidence, look, you're less likely to feel overwhelmed. You have an inner strength to keep going even when things are tough. Mm. People that are more confident are happier and more content in life. They have less stress and less likely to feel run down. So there's yeah, some good. actual benefits beyond just the sale in terms of, of having that confidence. And again, it's not something necessarily that you might have uh, internally by nature, but you can do those things you that can you build mentioned it. to build that confidence up. Number two, the greatest sales closers are goal-oriented. Great closers are focused on achieving their sales goals. They're persistent and resilient, never giving up until they close the deal. Yeah, so you know, you might hear this say said like, they have a big why. So it's the same type of concept. The you greatest used to have people like write their why and hang it in their cubicles when we were in the yeah. office, right? Yeah, we still have people fill out their sheet, which is their why and their goals every year. Every one-on-one, -on -one, we refer back to their goals. Like mm. if you're leading a sales team, a very big tip that will help you is you need to coach them to what they want, not what you want. So you want more deals, you want more dials, you want all these things, which is good, but they want something in their life. You must know what that is. What is it that they're going for? And they should have long-term rewards rewards and short-term rewards. You know, short-term reward might be buying a car. Long-term reward might be actually like getting to a place where they make a certain amount of money per year and they have passive income or whatever it is because they've invested. Like they need to have both and you need to tap into that. And then what you do when you lead them, because great salespeople are goal-oriented, they want accountability to what their desired goal is. So you need to say, hey, Josh, what's your goal? Hey, do I have your permission to hold you accountable to that goal because I, I don't want you getting angry or upset at me or feeling like I'm micromanaging you when I call you out on BS from you not doing the things you know you need to do in order to hit your goal. Remember, it's not my goal. If you hit your goal, I am hitting my goal. That's called alignment, but I'm going to hold you accountable because I, I to be a great leader, 
I need to hold you accountable to your goal. So getting people to say, yeah, uh, you have my commitment that I'm going to hit my goal and you can hold me accountable to it is huge. Yeah. And you look for that in people. I look for that hunger, as Les Brown says. Like one of the four traits I look for when I'm interviewing someone is their freaking motivation or are they goal-oriented. How do you vet this out? There's a myriad of ways. But ask the peop, uh, people, the stereotypical interview question is, where do you see yourself in five years? What's the vision you have for your life? What's the goal you have for your life? If, if someone is floundering in their goal, it doesn't mean they're terrible because they might have some other aspects, but man, they need a mentor. They need a coach because if you don't have a target, then you're never going to hit anything. Yeah. There's actually like neurology behind that where we're biologically programming our but our brains to change or create new behaviors when we set goals and we create these stronger bonds between neurons. We talked about this with the, uh, the myelin, you know, you're actually exercising yes. your brain when you're, when you're setting goals and you're training yourself. So it actually setting goals in and of itself, obviously within sales is important because you have to have something that you're shooting for, but you're actually, you're actually building muscle in yep. your brain to get better at anything. And I'll add to like your goal allows you to reverse engineer how you get there, right? But the other thing a goal does is you, we always talk about how when you buy a car, right, that you see that car everywhere. And why is that? It's because it became important to you. It's in your reticulated and activating system. It's not that that car is now everywhere around the street that never used to be. It's literally it came it into yeah. your visualization. It mm -hmm. came into your purview. Yeah. When you have a goal, Guess what comes into your purview? What comes into your purview is like, where am I at to that goal? And that then directs what? Your thoughts, your actions, everything you do to go, wait, hey, where am I at? It literally directs your focus and where your focus goes, your energy flows. This is what people don't understand about your goals. Most people write down a goal one day a year on January you know, or December, the end of December, and they do it for January 1st. Who's going to win? The person who looks at their goals 365 days a year or the person who looks at their goals one day a year? And we all know the truth of that. You got to have a goal and great salespeople have, are goal oriented. Number three is persuasive communication. Great closers are excellent communicators. They know how to present their product or service in a compelling way that resonates with the prospect. They use persuasive language and storytelling to create an emotional connection with the prospect and build trust. Yeah. So I'll give you two thoughts here on, uh, this is an obvious one. You got to be a persuader, right? But um, two thoughts I'll give you that will help you in sales. Great salespeople understand features tell... <clears throat> story sell. Mm -hmm. Features tell, story sells. But what, what most people do is they sell the features and then they don't understand why people don't buy because features are non-emotional. What you got to do is tie those features to some emotion, to some story. We had Shannon Gillette on and yeah. she gave an incredible tip about lifestyle first yeah. video. Yeah. And the whole concept was people don't buy the house first. They buy the lifestyle of what that house provides them. Yep. And she knows this. So when she does her listing videos, what does she do? And she's doing persuasive selling because she's actually speaking about the lifestyle. Imagine, imagine yourself on this golf course. Imagine yourself in this pool. Imagine yourself going to these local restaurants. There's a story there that's very persuasive. Another tip I'll give you on persuasive selling is I always call it seeding the thought before you do it. And so if a great salesman, like I'll give you an example, when we're pitching our, our magazine, right? When we talk about, hey, the number one reason why this works is because people, when they pull this out of their mailbox, our magazine, people don't throw it away. But before I do that, what do I do? I seed the thought. I do persuasive selling. I go, hey, Josh, I know you get the power of branding. You get this. Let me ask you this. When you get home to your mailbox and you pull out the postcards, the newsletters, the vow packs, those type of things, what do you tend to do with them? And I'm not beating them up. I'm not calling them junk. What do you, what do you tend to do with them? 
Nine times out of 10, people say, well, yeah, I glance at it, I throw it away. Exactly. Number one reason people love our magazines, people don't throw it away. They pull it out of their mailbox, they bring it into the home, they set it on the coffee table. Now, what you maybe picked up on, or maybe you didn't notice, I did two seeds there. One is, Josh, you get you the power of branding. Yeah, I don't have to tell you so this. now Josh can't deny, yeah, yeah, of oh, course yeah, I, I do. do. Know this. Nine, nine out of 10 <laughs> people go, yeah, absolutely know that. So I seeded what I wanted him to think. This is branding and you understand the power of it. Second thing I did was, what do you do with the postcards, newsletters, vow packs? I'm not calling them junk. What did I just call them? I called them junk. I just seeded in your mind what I want you to answer. And it's persuasive selling. It's not, you're not manipulating you're literally going hey this is where i'm going and you're leading people there and how you premise and set up your sales so there's i mean with the, we could well get you're setting up yeah deeper, I mean, you're, you're creating those visuals which is exactly what stories do whenever you use words like what if or imagine if you're actually triggering the neocortex and thalamus which is controlling the brain's oh, imagination so you're actually putting people into the position where they're standing in front of their mailbox yep. pulling out those things that they know that they throw away yeah it's beautiful. So try that in your next listing presentation. Uh, here's a great, I know you understand this. Just try the, that that line. Hey, I know you understand this. Here's a great stat. Um, after a presentation, 63% of people remember stories and 5% of people remember statistics. Wow. So no one will remember that statistic. But that is, <laughs> in the moment, it sounds powerful. You Number four. A story. <laughs> Number four is the ability to overcome objections. So you mentioned this a little bit earlier when you talked about, hey, if someone says I got to talk to my partner, you have to know your talk track. Great closers anticipate objections and are prepared to handle them uh, effectively. They know how to address a prospect's concerns without being defensive or pushy, which is yeah critical so two two number no, i there's more than two but here's two points i would give you on overcoming objections that why great closers can do it is one is they expect them so they don't get nervous when they get an objection they don't get shocked when they get an objection how do you not get nervous when you get an objection you need to go in with the expectation that you're going to get an objection you need to go in with the expectation to embrace the no and you need to train because when someone says they're driving it shouldn't shock you at all you can literally just go hey no problem you're driving be safe put your blinker on i don't mind waiting until you find a spot to pull over in fact while you're finding a spot to pull over let me share with you xyz right you just know where you're going to go there's no nerves there's no there's calmness in your voice you're uh, directing right you're confident you're in control so great closers they expect it and they train for it the second is they don't get commission breath mm. they don't get commission breath and the number one reason why you lose a sale ultimately is because the prospect senses from you that you want the deal closed more than you want the value for them mm. and so you have to focus when you're overcoming objections not to have commission breath how do you do this well we have a process right but there's many processes out there our process is to acknowledge isolate overcome the first two phases of that process is to make sure we don't run into commission breath acknowledge is about hey let me repeat back let me practice making sure this person knows that i'm hearing them let me repeat back to them and lower the guard hey Totally understand you need to talk to your partner. Hey, totally understand you're driving. You know, I want you to be safe. You repeat back. You acknowledge. You When people say they want to see a sample, I literally tell them, hey, totally understand that. I'm actually a visual person myself, so I like seeing samples too. I build camaraderie. I acknowledge them to lower that guard so they know, hey, it's okay. I don't want you to feel like I just want this deal and I don't want to enter into debate mode. People lose deals all the time because they enter into debate mode. And what you have to understand about overcoming objections, right? And we could probably do a whole podcast just on this. Maybe we have and I've forgotten. <laughs> but when people speak an objection, when the prospect speaks something out into existence, guess what? That becomes a truth. 
So even if it's not true, i.e. I don't have my credit card with me, I hear that objection all the time, because they spoke it out into existence, guess what? It's now true. Because what am I going to get them to do? Josh is now going to tell me two seconds later, you know what, Luke? I I lied. I actually do have my credit (laughs) card with me. No, he's not going to do that. He spoke a truth out into existence. And so what you need to try to do is the best salespeople, they they play whack-a-mole. They get to objections before they even get them. Because if you can say the objection before the prospect speaks the objection, it's like pushing a boulder downhill. If they say the objection first and you didn't say it first, then it's like pushing a boulder uphill, meaning your goal as a great salesman is you're doing persuasive language and a great value proposition and you're taking away the key objections that you know people have because you're confident because you've been doing this all the time and you it's like whack-a-mole. You hit them down before, before you get there. So if you're talking to someone, you're pitching somebody that's in the car because we often do with real estate agents, you can hear that. So before you get to the order, before you get to the close, guess what you're saying? Hey, I know you're in the car. Don't worry about it. I'll go slow. We'll walk through this together. You're taking away that objection for them so they can't say, hey, I noticed you're on a team here. So I totally understand you're, you know, you're going to want to get information in front of your team too. I've actually already sent you an email with all that information. I want to take that objection away. Yeah. Anyways, awesome. we're way over our 15 minutes, I'm sure. But you're good. I didn't set yeah. the timer for this one, so I have oh, no idea. Okay. We'll see. Freestyling. All right. Number five is active listening. Great closers listen carefully to their prospects, taking the time to understand their needs and concerns. This allows them to tailor their pitch and offer solutions that meet the prospect's specific needs. Yeah, so look people in the eye, smile, bring good energy, repeat back to people what they have told you in the language that they have told That's you. That's so critical. Right, yeah, so that that is yeah. like, if you think about people and you're talking to somebody that, I, I grew up in a place called Flavanna County, a lot of rednecks, right? Gotta love my redneck <laughs> friends, yeah. right? I'm, I'm a country boy a lot of times at heart too. I am but too. Don't speak, don't speak with big words and all analytical when you're sitting there speaking to somebody who doesn't speak that way, yeah. like you need to meet them where they're at. Matching and marrying is key. Um, active listening makes people feel heard. It builds rapport. You can't get to trust without rapport because without rapport, there's no comfortability and you can't have trust without comfortability. Is there with match and mirror, is there still this idea of you want to match and mirror because you want to make them feel comfortable, but also like you want to push the energy a little bit higher yeah, than them. We often, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought it up. We often leave out when we're teaching about match and mirroring, one of the most important parts to make it all work, which is leading, pacing and leading. Mm-hmm. So what you do when you match a mirror is you match the demeanor, you match the tone, you mirror the body language. But then what you do is you, you basically do something called pacing or leading. You slowly bring up your energy. You slowly bring up your tone and you'll find that when you've matched somebody, you've gotten in sync and rhythm. And I'm not trying to be yeah. all mystical here. Like it's, it's very simplistic when you make someone feel comfortable yeah. and then you start raising your energy they now have a trust and rapport with you. So they start raising. Yeah. And number six, the last one, probably the most important one, the easiest one, but the one that people do the least is follow up. Great closers know that the fortune is in the follow up. Yeah. So great closers know it's a one call close mentality to vet out the real objections, but it's probably a follow up reality. Uh, Meaning, you know, I think it's eight to 12 calls. Uh, HubSpot put out a research thing one time that said 18 calls to close a deal. Most people are giving up at one to two calls. Some people don't even make their calls. Shame on you. Right now, in the gym, in the car, wherever you're listening to this, if you have leads that you are not calling, I hope I feel you make you guilty enough to beat yourself up to change (laughs) because you are leaving money on the table. Go home and look your kids in the eye 
and say, I'm sorry, I was too lazy to follow up and that's why I didn't get that extra income for our family to whatever it is that you guys need to ever to take you to the next level. No Disney level. World this year. Yeah, no Disney World because <laughs> I was too lazy to follow up my leads even though I know I need to call them eight to 12 times. It just drives me up a freaking wall success is not easy. It's hard work. You got to lift the cinder blocks and you got to lay the cinder blocks down every single day. And that's your calls. You got to follow up. You could lack numbers one through five on this list, but if you're the one salesperson that's following you'll up, win. you'll win. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Thank you so much for listening. You can head on over to statepaidpodcast.com for the show notes and the video of this episode. If you like this episode and want to show your support, head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop us a five-star review along with a comment. And the best way to show your support is to simply share this episode with a friend. Speaking of airlines, you mentioned uh, the uh, the pilot earlier. Yeah. I, I was uh, at the airport, right? And I think the the person at the, at the check-in uh, threatened me. She said, she looked me dead in the eye and she said, window or aisle? And I said, window or you'll what? <laughs> I've heard that one. Pretty good. You have? Pretty good. I've heard, I've heard that one. That's yeah, fantastic. It's a pretty good one. You're too nice. It wasn't that great. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get a hold of me or Luke, you can email us at podcast at remindermedia.com. And of course, you can follow us on social media on Instagram. We're at Stay Paid Podcast. And on TikTok, we're at Stay Paid underscore podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, I'm Luke Acree. Your action item from this podcast is to apply one of these six points, right? Maybe you can't apply all of them right away, but you can apply one of them. If you don't have your goal set, start there. It's the most important. And if you are not closing at the rate you know you should be. That is a confidence problem that comes from preparation. It means you're not putting in the practice that you need to be putting in, and you're not building your confidence so you can perform in the moment. Remember, the difference between top producers and mediocre producers in every single business is top producers take action. Take action on that today.